So parents, guardians, caregivers, have you ever lost a child in a public place? Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. Is there any more awful feeling in the whole world? I, I don't know if there is. That is just the most awful feeling in the world to lose a child in a public place. It's that feeling in the pit of your stomach when you look around and realize they're not there, you don't know where the child has gone. That happened to me when I was a pretty young parent. I took our son, Andy, shopping on a Saturday afternoon at Home Depot. Andy was about four years old at the time. And uh, one thing you got to know about Andy at that age was uh, I always had to keep a really close eye on him. I held his hand tightly whenever we went out in public because he was a very open and curious child. He was a, an extreme extrovert who would talk to anyone, including strangers. He was the kind of child that would have said, yes, I do like candy. Can you show me where it is? He was that kid. So I had Andy's hand in mine from the time we left the parking lot until we got into the store. As we were shopping, I only let it go a few times just to put things into my basket. But then I got up to the cash register to pay, and I had to let go of him to take care of the transaction. And, oh, friends, I promise, I just felt like I looked away for a second just to get that taken care of. They put my, my things in a bag, and then I looked down to take Andy's hand again, and no Andy. He was gone, vanished, poof. I got that terrible feeling. I was really afraid. The store was very crowded on Saturday. There were people everywhere. So I began to look for him all around the cash register. The clerk helped me. He's not there. I then went to the aisles where we had been shopping, looking for him there, no luck. Finally, we got the store security involved. They began to help me comb the store, and they were the ones who found him. He really wasn't very far from the cash register. He hadn't gone very far away from me at all. He was just where I couldn't see him. He had found a display of screen doors, and he was busy opening and closing those doors over and over again, happy as a clam. Well, I came running up to him with tears in my eyes and said something like, oh my goodness, Andy, I'm so glad you're okay. And with total innocence, he looked at me and said, what's wrong? And I said, Andy? You're lost. Well, he considered this for a moment, and he said, no, I'm not. I'm right here. Apparently, in Andy's mind, he had to wander really far away to be truly lost. And as I considered this later, I wondered if there are adults who feel the same way, Adults who believe you've got to wander away in some spectacular fa fashion to actually be lost. But friends, the older I get, the more I've come to believe that you can, you know, never even leave home. Stay close and be just as lost. Either way, what you ultimately need is to be found both of these kinds of loss are present in our text this morning, this beautiful parable from Jesus we know as the prodigal son. These ways of being lost play out in the lives of two brothers, an elder and a younger son. Jesus says that the younger son comes to his father and asks for his inheritance early. 
He wants to go find himself. He thinks he'll find fulfillment out in the wide world. Now, like all of Holy Scripture, we've got to understand the context here to really appreciate what's going on. Because this request is not benign in any way. It's not a small thing. This isn't like a kid coming to their parent prior to college and asking for money for a car or something. Now, this is a slap in the face to the father. It's highly disrespectful. It goes against everything that's expected and respected in that culture. This son was expected to stay on the family farm, to raise his family there, to tend the land, to go into the family business, to honor his father's life and legacy in this way. So coming to his dad and saying, I want my inheritance now and then I'm going to take off with it, I don't want to take on in the, the family obligations. Well, that's sort of equivalent to him cleaning out the family safe deposit box and hoofing it over the horizon. The fact that the father grants this request is really incredible. It's a tremendous act of grace. The father loves the younger son so much that he's willing to give him his freedom as a gift, even freedom from the father himself. Then it becomes the son's responsibility to live a righteous life within that freedom that he's been given. But Jesus tells us that the younger son messes it all up. He messes it all up. He wanders far away to a distant land, and along the way, he squanders his inheritance, truly wastes it, ends up in rags, starving, has to take a job as a servant to swine, and after a while, he's still so hungry, the pig's food is looking good to him. It's only then when he's hit rock bottom, that Jesus says this younger son comes to himself. I love that phrasing there. You could preach a whole sermon just on that. He comes to himself. In other words, friends, he realizes that he's lost. Not just a little lost, but really, really lost. And boy, does he need to be found? And then we've got the elder son. He has tried to find fulfillment in his life through propriety, through tradition, ritual, rule following. He's done everything he's ever been asked to do. My guess is that when his younger brother left home, he took on his brother's chores without complaint. But now, when that younger brother, who so misbehaved and disrespected their father, returns home, he can hardly hide his anger and his resentment and his hurt. Here comes the younger brother. And dad doesn't even wait for him to get to the front porch, does he? The father runs on the way and meets this younger brother and throws his arms around him, welcoming him home. 
puts shoes on his feet, a robe around his shoulders, a ring on his finger, and calls for the fatted calf to be killed so that they can celebrate. This elder brother who's been so dutiful hears the sound of the party going on, and he will not go in. The father comes out to plead with him, but he won't have any of it. He's so angry. Father, he says, I've, I've done everything you ever asked of me. I, I, I've worked as your servant all of these years. Never disobeyed your command, and you've never done so much as allow me and my friends to celebrate with a young goat. But now, when this son of yours, again, that phrasing her Jesus, when this son of yours comes home who has wasted everything and insulted you in the process, you kill the fatted calf for him? Can't you just see this elder brother standing outside the house so hurt, so angry with his father trying to explain to him that he is loved just as much as his brother. Do you see, friends, that there isn't just one lost brother in this story? The elder brother's lost, too. He's lost in, in ritual, in propriety, in trying to please and check every box. He hasn't left home. So perhaps he doesn't realize that he's lost in that, but he is. He's just as lost as the younger brother. And boy, does he need to be found. My friends, do you see the good news of this parable? Jesus makes it clear that the Father shows grace to both brothers that there's enough for each. You know, some scholars say these brothers represent the two basic ways that we try to find fulfillment in life and often get lost in the process, either through a voyage of self-discovery that goes awry or by rule-following, trying to earn our grace. Most of us tend to identify with one brother or another in the parable. Whichever one that might be, what a comfort it is to know that grace is always ours if we will but raise our head and accept it. That God will not rest until we are found. That if we will just turn to God, he's right there. He's running to meet us on the path, you see. Or if we will just raise our head up from our ditch digging, will find that he is there with a hand outstretched. He will not rest. He is searching for us. He longs for us to be found. You know, when I was a little girl, I grew up in the Dallas area, and uh, this was the time of year, the spring, for the terrible thunderstorms we would always get there. I was really afraid of those storms as a kid. The worst ones seemed to come at night. I don't know why that was, but the worst ones seemed to come at night. The rain would pound on the roof. Sometimes there'd be hail. 
The lightning would streak across the sky and these huge claps of thunder would come and rattle the windows in our house and I could not beat a path to my dad fast enough. I'd go running into my parents' room and just want to hold my dad's hand. Bless his heart, he'd lay there in bed and put his arm up for me. I just thought if I could hold on to his hand, everything would be okay, you know? When I was in second or third grade, I went on a Girl Scout camping trip. It was a regional trip. There were a lot of girls. We got on these buses and went outside of the city to, to camp in tents, which I thought was really exciting, a big adventure. Well, it was the spring, and in the middle of the night, one of those terrible storms came up. Our leaders had to wake us up in the middle of the night and tell us that it was dangerous. We had to get out of there. And the storm was coming quickly. Now, normally, getting on the bus was a very regimented, ordered ordeal. You stayed with your troop. You had an assigned seat on a certain bus that had a certain number on it, and that's the way your parents knew where you were. But on this night in this situation that became pretty chaotic, our leaders said, don't worry about any of that. Grab what you can and go get on any bus. Just get on any bus. We've got to leave. So we grabbed what we could, and in our night clothes, we ran for the buses and got on, and as they pulled away, I remember thinking that I was lost, that I was on the wrong bus, it wasn't the one that my father had put me on on the way out to the camping location, and uh, I wasn't with my troop. I'd been separated from them. And as we rode on in the darkness and the pouring rain with the lightning streaking through the sky, I began to cry, and I wasn't the only little girl on the bus doing that. I was so afraid that I wouldn't be able to find my dad. So what a relief it was when the bus pulled up and I looked out the window and there was my faithful father in the pouring rain with a flashlight in his hand. You see, I, I thought I had to make my way to him, but my father was searching for me all the time. Friends, do you see that's how it is? That's how it is with God. When we are lost, we can rest assured that our Father is searching for us. All we've got to do is raise our head and look out, put out a hand, take one step, and he will be there. Because he will not rest until we are found and we find grace and fulfillment in him. My friends, do you see that that that, that life we long for. It's not in, in seeking, but being sought. It's not in knowing, but being known. It's not in finding, but being found. Will you pray with me? Most loving God, we give you thanks, for you are the good Father that meets us on the way. Whether we have wandered far away from you, O oh Lord, or we have tried to stay close and do everything right, Lord, open our eyes to the reality of grace 
and the joy of real love that we find in you. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.